Why not? A queer podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams. And you are listening to Why Not? Why Not? A Queer Podcast. Episode 27. <laughs> wow, 27. That's a lot. That is. How many? So that's almost seven months? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, one a week, that's 27 weeks. Um, we are now officially unable to abort ourselves in half the states in the Union. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep going. We have... Ha ha! Take that, Republicans. Um, it's their fault we have to keep going. Yeah. You told us to take care of it in the first six weeks, and we didn't even know we were doing a podcast within the first six weeks. Do you think that we're up to 27 listeners? Do we get? Do we gain a listener per podcast? Yes, that is how the universe works. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait till episode 500. Can you yeah. imagine? How many years would that be, 500? That'd be 10 years? Um... Nine years in a couple of months. How many? 52 weeks in a year. And carry the two. Um, that would be, <laughs> Math is hard. That would be 38 years. That That's not right. That's not right. <laughs> no. I lost a zero somewhere. There. No, I mean, if there's 52 weeks in a year yeah. times 10 years, that's 10 be years. 520. So it'd be, you know, oh, nine, I see. Yeah. Oh, nine just, and a half years. Just, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> For those who know the, if you know, you know. I hate when people on uh, on uh, emails and TikToks and stuff, whatever you're watching, like, if you know, you know. But if you know, you know. Nine and a half weeks. If you don't, then you're What's like, the other side of that? If you don't know, then what? Then you Then you're an know. idiot? Then you don't know. I said, th- you know what I hate most of all is those things when people post them and they're like, when you see it, you see it. Yeah. What is it? It's Or it's like, oh, when you see it, don't ruin it for everybody else. Shut up. How about just tell me? Just, yeah. I ain't got time for this. I'm at work. And what if, if I can't find it, I get angry. Seriously. <laughs> Maybe I should up my blood pressure medication for Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone should. Or, you know, have a drink while you work. That's what we encourage here at Wine, Why Not? Is, is life tough at your day to day? Have a drink. Well, not all of us. <laughs> no, just me. Just if you're having a tough week, let me know and I'll have a drink for you. Oh, there you go. Wouldn't it be fun to do? What if people emailed us and told us like what sucked for their weeks? And at the beginning of every episode, you toast to all of the things that suck for them and have a drink for them. Or what if everybody told us what they need fixed in their life and for $5 each will fix each of their problems? <laughs> Allegedly. I don't know. That, does that get us out of all the, all the legal trouble for such a thing? Like. <laughs> You gotta have listeners for someone to sue you. <laughs> we would be. What's what is that show? Um, I mean, it's not Friends. Is it? It must be because it seems to be all I watched this weekend. Where they they give advice to people. Oh no, Modern Family. Where Mitch and Cam, there's a whole episode where they constantly give advice to people, and they're like, "We fixed their lives," and then by the end of the episode, everything's a wreck. Yeah, that would yeah, totally that, be us. Yeah. <laughs> we should have an, an, an advice. Ah, oh, advice not. It could yeah, be a second. Advice, a second. advice not. Like, we're going to tell you what we would do, and then you do the opposite. Yeah, you totally shouldn't do what we tell you to do. Oh, that'd be great. So here's how we launch this. This is what you can do. You can email us your your worries, your problems, the reasons why you need a drink. Send us an email at wwn at watermarkonline.com. It's wwn for wine, why not, at watermarkonline.com. Yeah. So, Jeremy, did you have an exciting week? I had a very exciting week, and 
Did she? I did. <laughs> okay. I know that it didn't sound. <laughs> I, 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 no, I couldn't tell. Listen, I am about uh, two post-nasal drips away from being Janice from Friends, because my since we got back, and we'll talk about this a little later, but we went to Dallas last week, and it's very dry out there. And since I got back from Dallas, it's like my body is reabsorbing all of the moisture from Florida, <laughs> and it is messing with my allergies, and I have been stuffy, and... Is that why I got fatter? Yes, you're, all the... you're absorbing all of the humidity back into your body. Uh, uh, that's why Hollywood's in California, baby. It's uh, dry out there. It had nothing to do with all the crab food I ate in Dallas. It's 100% <laughs> Everybody the moisture. knows vacation food does not count. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, other than what we'll get to uh, with uh, why we were in Dallas. Hey, you had an eventful morning. Right? I did. I had to go to the doctor, and for the very first time in my life, I had an echocardiogram, um, which is basically what they do to expected mothers, but instead of doing my stomach, they did my heart. And uh, I had an ultrasound done of my heart. Your heart weighs. Huh. Your heart weighs seven pounds, three ounces. Uh, honey, my, my heart is 14.7. It is the biggest heart they have seen come through their baby department what do they call those maternity oh. <laughs> That's what like. their baby area nurseries or is that where plants are isn't that weird that Both. plants and babies are the same it's where you where you birth just no, pour no, water birth. on them and they grow yeah. into humans that's that's how i understand it works, it works. for me uh, but yeah, so i had an echocard i know you um yeah so i had an echocardiogram went in this morning uh walked into his tiny dark office and uh it was real weird because he was, I mean, he was very friendly, very nice. Young Is guy. his name Dr. Insidious? That's no. Like, oh, we walked horrible. in and he's like, um, all right, take off your shirt and we'll get started. And I was like, um, okay. So as I'm taking my You're shirt like, off. You're like, I've seen videos that start off this way. <laughs> as I'm taking my shirt off, another gentleman walks off, walks in and he goes, someone will be joining us. You don't mind, do you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, a threesome. I, I was not prepared. God, I got to try the military. <laughs> So he was training. Um, it's weird because he was in, and I don't know medical people. So, I mean, I live with a nurse, but I don't know what they all wear. But I assume nurses wear scrubs, doctors wear the white coats. Because he walks in with a white coat. And I was like, why would a nurse be training a doctor? Shouldn't the doctor know more? I don't know how that works. But the doctor came in and he had a very thick French accent. And I'm going to do that for you now. Um, no, maybe, maybe I was like, I, I was thinking of something to say, but I'm like, it's like those commercials where like the bounty commercials. It's, are like, like, it's, um, it's not, it's just, it's, it's not that you can't do a French accent. It's just that, that I can't you can't do a French accent. And I'm afraid of what, what offensive sound like. sounds will come out of your mouth. Um, so yes, yeah, so he was French and I had my shirt off. And uh, when you see them on TV, like, you know, the, I think most ultrasounds people are familiar with, unless you're a pregnant woman, is you see them on TV and they like put the little gel on and then they put it on the belly and the lady's like, ooh, that's cold. And then they're like, <laughs> Did you do that? there's your baby. First of all, the gel was not cold. I assume because they have, they're putting gel on you and it's your shirt's off that they keep it warm in there. But my ass was sweating and I was like, can we cool it down in here? I'm about to take my pants off. Just give me some of that cold gel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he put the little gel on, and then uh, he, like, jammed it into my heart. And uh, there's a lot of pressure. I don't know if on TV they just do it gently or if there was a baby in there. That's why they go gentle. But when it's your heart, they, like, press really hard. Yeah. 
And he kept saying to the doctor, because he's explaining, okay, this is what I'm doing here, and this is what I'm looking for here. And then he kept saying, it's harder to see on this guy, but the next one I'll show you this. And he said it like four or five times, and he always did it when he was right over my tent. And I think what he was saying in code is, this guy's too fat to see this part, so when a skinny guy comes in... We can't get a good photo for this double D. <laughs> this man's breasts are in the way. We can't see his heart. But he said it like four or five times. He's like, it's hard to see it on this fella. And I was like, say what you mean. You should have just yelled, message received. <laughs> um, but you know what? That was the point of the cardiogram. Um, to, to send home that I need to make lifestyle changes, as my doctor said. So I think he told the, the nurse, hey, just really kind of subliminal message this guy and let him know through the entire thing, I want you to know you're fat and I need you to do something about it. Message received. And I will start with it tomorrow. <laughs> Is that why they put you in a dark, tiny room? It's like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to lose some weight if you want the bigger room. It's I'm pretty sure it was an average size room for other people. <laughs> It was just tiny for me. Um, oh. Anyway, so um, I think everything generally came back fine. One of the stories he was telling the other the, the doctor while he's doing it is uh, an echocardiogram he did a couple of weeks ago. And he goes, we were sitting, because he went, at first he did the heart, and then he went down and was like doing my the upper part of my stomach. And then he was doing my neck. And he was explaining to the doctor he does the neck because a lot of times you'll have blockages in the arteries up there. And they don't manifest the way like a heart attack will. And he said a few weeks ago, um, I was doing it on this guy and I had to stop immediately and we had to rush him into the OR because he had a huge blockage. So I'm like, oh shit. So he's like scanning and he's like, uh, okay, we're done there. And I was like, thank you, Lord. We there, There's no rushing me to the ER today or the OR today. Because um, there was, I, I don't think a blockage. I don't think he would have sent me away if he had found a major blockage. So I think things are fine. Have have we addressed on this podcast yet that you're a, a, a total hypochondriac? Several times, I believe. Oh, okay. I, we can bring it up as often as you want. But you know the good thing about you. <laughs> okay, good. Well, let's see if we can manage to say it five <laughs> times throughout this podcast today. Um, the good thing about you being a hypochondriac is that it benefits me yeah. because um, my sister passed away many years ago of a heart attack. Uh, she was, I believe, forty five uh, mm. when she had a heart attack. Oh yeah. I am 48. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but in response to that, I just, every year when I go for a physical, I say I want to get, they do usually do an EKG, but then I found out that that doesn't, that won't tell you if there's blockages. So I was yeah. like, you need to do an ultrasound. And so they do that now every year, but they've never done my neck. So now uh, when I go to the doctor next time, yeah. I'm going to say, let's do the neck. Yeah. I think specifically the orders that the doctor put in um, said to check the neck because uh, when I originally went there, I was having a little bit of chest pain of, of, about a month ago. And she's like, we're just going to do a whole checkup on you, make sure everything's good. Um, one of the things she said is her husband, I should have asked, it might have been the same story. Her husband, a few weeks ago when I saw her, she said he went in um, and was having pain and they did a, uh, a x-ray or something of his neck and, or whatever they did, maybe an ultrasound. Um, and they found a blockage and they had to go in and put a stent in. I wonder if it's like that M. Night Shyamalan lost thing. The stories all overlap. 
You know what I'm just laughing at? It's My like, pain and misery? No, it's just, I think it's indicative of our age. Like, if we were in our 20s, our stories would be like, oh, man, oh, I got yeah. trashed in Southern Nights or Savoy last night. Oh, and, yeah. And did this and this. Is, and now we're like. This is a very different and, podcast. <laughs> and what's it going to be? In five years, we're just going to spend the first 30 minutes talking about our yeah. medications. Like, oh, what discounts of AARP did you use this week? <laughs> anyway, so we'll we'll uh, we'll see what happens with those results when they come back. But like I said, they didn't rush me in the OR, so that's I don't think a good it's sign. That's a good How's sign. You know, I had a friend oh, real quick. I had a friend who went in for an eye exam, uh, and the ophthalmologist looked at his eye and then turned her camera or equipment off and said, "You need to go to the hospital right now." And he went to the hospital, and they found he had this massive brain tumor. Uh, oh that that they had to remove, and they and it's the kind that they couldn't remove at all, so they just have to monitor it as time goes on. And Why can't they remove it? I mean, it's just I mean, it's probably attached to important brain things. Oh. Stuck behind the eight ball, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm I pretty mean, sure I know who he's, you're talking about. He's, so he's I not, apologize if you're listening. No, he's not the brightest guy in the room. <laughs> they don't want to shave any important stuff off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a lovely guy. He's a good friend. Um, yeah, my my week was very much the same as yours. I think the only difference in our weeks was like Saturday once we landed back yeah. in in Orlando. Uh, Did I you go right home? Well, immediately jumped in a car and drove to St. Pete uh, because I hadn't seen my husband or my dogs in two weeks or no, in a week. And so I, even though I had to be back to Orlando on Sunday, I was like, I need to drive out there and spend some time with him. So I did. And it was kind of cute. Like, my dog... <laughs> I know you love these stories. <laughs> yeah. If you listened last week, this is payback for him telling telling me that I have an unnatural relationship with my dog. <laughs> that I'm going to tell him the story. <laughs> now, it's just... we knew, My dog has this reaction, right? When I have been away for a while and I come home. She's angry at me. So, I come to the... It's it much like, like if you were a teenager who snuck out of the house and your parents found out and then you come home at three in the morning and they're waiting up for you. Yeah. They're angry and then they, so they let you know they're angry but they, they love you. Are they angry or just disappointed? Yeah, you know, all of it. I hate that word by the way. <laughs> disappointed? Yeah. Like, the sound of it or the meaning behind that's it? That's just the whole like, when, when, when somebody, when you do something and somebody goes, I'm disappointed in you. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Oh, okay. What are you, the moral, the moral police? I'm sorry you're disappointed. Anyway, so my dog like runs, like will run around barking in circles and then run up and push me and then sit on the opposite end of the couch that I'm on and stare at me, yeah. like to be to show the anger. Uh, but this time, I think she was just so happy that I had come home because it had been a week that she just ran right up to me. Uh, Dylan took a video of it. She's just wagging her tail. It was all, it was really nice because it was a long day mm-hmm. of traveling, um, which I'm sure we'll get to uh, later on. Unfortunately, we had this assignment that we had to watch the Barbie movie. Um, <clears throat> so D- Dylan wanted to see it, so I had to see it that day. So although I had been up since four in the morning, we had to go see Barbie. And because I was buying the tickets that day, even though it was playing like every 30 seconds somewhere, uh, everything was packed. We couldn't get two tickets next to each other. So we had to buy tickets to go like at, at uh, nine o'clock at night. Oh God, you should have just gone on Sunday. First first showing Sunday morning, get it done with. And back I, but I don't know what time they start. And I had to, you know, so 
Uh, but so we saw that, which we'll get into again later, since it's one of our assigned topics. Uh, but then be, to make a deal, because Jen wanted to see it as well. And I said, well, I'll go see Barbie with Dylan and I'll see Oppenheimer with Jen. So we did the whole Barbie Heimer weekend. Barbie Heimer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that almost sounds like Arby Hammer. Totally different oh. weekend. Totally different. But kind of similar. I did not. I did not army <laughs> hammer check. Um, yeah, yeah. I only Barbied. I didn't Barbie Heimer. I tried. I was going to, and I was like, no, I'm too tired. This I'm is exhausted. too much entertainment. I must go home. I'm exhausted. And I, I don't, sometimes when I'm so tired, it makes me punchy and that might be funny, but I don't know if I'm in that kind of a state right now. I'm just, I just want to go to bed. Yeah. Uh, but so that we saw that, I think they started that on Sunday and it ended, um, you know, in three hours from now. Yeah, that's a long movie. It's a long movie. It's a long movie. And, but it doesn't seem like it. Did you see it? You haven't seen it. No, just the Barbie. Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, Oppenheimer's, it's, um, it's an interesting one. It, it, it was surprisingly interesting for three hours. Yeah. I thought. And I think we'll get into this more when we talk about Barbie, but both Oppenheimer and Barbie had huge weekends uh, this past weekend at the box office. Yeah, bigger than they expected. And, um, both, I think the surprise is more, most people more so with Barbie than Oppenheimer, both are getting Oscar buzz. I... And we'll we'll talk about it for Barbie. Yeah, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it's um. Let's just you know I I'm just gonna say that that 2023 is just gonna be the the, the year that of, of like crap entertainment. Yeah, it's gonna be a real weird year. when yeah. we get to the end of it. Yeah. So uh, when we left Oppenheimer, <laughs> I don't know why this always happens, but because it was really from six ten to nine ten, which is like the whole window of of eating time for yeah. dinner right and so i had like the popcorn which i i, I don't want to eat popcorn again for like a year and so i had popcorn and then afterwards i was kind of hungry and i was like we should stop somewhere and we go to this mcdonald's by my house which which i'm sure we'll talk about this too when we talk about our trip but there are certain industries that since covid have just changed yeah. for the worse and every time I go to this McDonald's, anytime after nine o'clock, it's like for one reason or another, some they're not taking your orders, but they're not telling you that. So it's either they don't have enough employees and they shut down early, or I think eventually we found out that they were updating their computer systems and so they just stopped working. For and, and, and it was just so angry. So I was forced to go to Taco Bell, and I don't, you know, I don't know the laws on what we're supposed to say and not supposed to say, or maybe I should just say a local, a local fast food Mexican restaurant. Uh, but is this an age thing? Is there an age at which you cannot eat Taco Bell anymore? Cause I think I'm in, I'm there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can take some tums afterwards, which I think regardless of your age, I think is what most people do after Taco Bell. Um, but yeah, I mean, your body's changing, man. Like, there's certain things see, that you can't you I am, do. I'm on these like souped up. Oh, here's the medication stock. I'm on like this souped up sort of anti-acid medication that I take every night. So I don't take Tums because I'm like, oh, well, I've got this medication. And after yeah. I wait a couple hours after I eat and I take this. Mm -mm. It's still there. <laughs> still there. Oh, I can never eat that again. Just remind me, do me a favor, text Jen and say, anytime Rick says Taco Bell, I'll say no. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I, I eat Taco Bell all the time, um, but 
Um, yeah, I, I get that feeling too. And I still, I push through because I'm a glutton for punch. You know what is really bad? More so than Taco Bell. I get hot and spicy chicken wings from a certain grocery store. Nameless. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'll get the box of the breadless hot and spicy chicken wings. And then I get the Opa, um, I think it's called Opa, the tzatziki sauce mm. in the deli. And I will go home and dip in those chicken wings and the tzatziki sauce and eating them. That's my entire meal. Um, actually, I'll get, I like to get it on the weekends because I'll get it early in the afternoon. And that's what I eat for the whole weekend. It's just a box of chicken, because it's like 40 chicken wings in this box. I'm probably exaggerating, but there's a lot of chicken wings in this box. And I will just eat chicken wings all weekend. And I know this is probably too much information for you and everyone else who's listening, but the chicken wings mixed with the tzatziki sauce does not sit well in my stomach. And it causes, it causes a lot of problems coming out, <laughs> we'll say, every time. It's like I, I spend, my weekend is eating chicken wings, shit. Eating chicken wings, shit. <laughs> and I know that this is the inevitable outcome. And almost every weekend, I still go buy a damn box of chicken wings and tzatziki sauce. See? And I still eat it. Did you ever imagine when we talked about doing a podcast that this is the conversation no. we'd be having? No, it's not the conversation I wanted. It's the conversation we needed. Yeah, I and, guess, you know, we should avoid people to say, like, maybe listen to this podcast after dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you're eating the chicken wings from a certain grocery store, put them down. Oh, my God. Did you ever read those? Um, I don't even know if this is real. Was it a real product? The uh, sugar-free Haribo gummy bears? It's a real product. I don't know if it causes the reaction that all of the... Um, responses online said that it was or if it was just it's like a hilarious big oh my god basically everyone who eats those sugar-free harbo gummy bears has the same has a reaction time. that i have with the chicken wings <laughs> exact same thing i love those reading those stories they're so clever and uh i've looked for them because i'm up for a challenge yeah i want to eat a bag of them and see what happens you know what we should do if you're down for that you watch hot wings yeah oh, yeah we should do a hot wings challenge with with the different sauces. Oh, I thought you met with the sugar-free Haribo bear. Oh. That's how you should do interviews. <laughs> we should. I will line up a variety of colors from the sugar-free Haribos, and you take one, and I'll ask you a question. You know, you know that 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 pill, like is it called Ally or Ally? It's that thing that you take, and it's supposed to make you not absorb fat. It's that whole like you got to oh. be sitting near a restroom. Yeah, I know. There's a line of different drugs that do that. Um, there's a there's a type of hydroxy cut that I used to take back in the day when I was thin to stay thin when I was going through some um, what do they call it um, trauma anorexia issues. Oh, um, I this is a long story. I won't get into it. But when I was in the military station in Korea, my supervisor and my crew chief sat me down because I was addicted to diet pills. And oh, I, I was remember that. Yeah, dramatically losing weight, and they were like, dude. And they, it's hilarious because we all got this reference back then because we're all the same age. They said, dude, you're looking like Callista Flockhart from that HBO special. And they're like, if we see you take those pills again, we're going to take you to mental health. So I said, fine. So I threw the pills away. And then just like Callista Flockhart, late at night when I knew they were all in bed, I went and bought another bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was just going to say that um, I think it would be fun 
I have a weird sense of humor sometimes to just get a group of people go to a restaurant like, um, you know, some greasy spoon restaurant mm-hmm. and everybody take that L.I. and then just start eating, you know, f- onion rings and, and whatever and see what Sounds happens. Like a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> like a terrible idea. You got to make sure this smoke. From Stand By Me. Oh, that's <laughs> the, like, e- the pie eating. Uh, no. It that, sounds like... Um, uh, bridesmaids that as well yeah oh but <laughs> you know i i love meats on a stick <laughs> there's not enough there's not enough bathrooms in a restaurant to take that's what would be fun about it that's somebody's gonna have to go into the bushes anyway that person won't be me <laughs> anyway so yeah we went to dallas this week, we did this past week we did we got well we 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 got involved in some conversations with some members uh, of the um, Association of Alternative Newspapers. Uh, it goes by AAN or ANN. And, uh, you know, the Orlando Weekly, which is a paper here, is part of it. Dallas Voice is part of it. And so we had talked to publishers from that about the benefits of joining. And so they have a conference coming up. And, and so we applied to be members. Uh, which they would vote in at this conference, and we were invited to go to the conference. So we decided to to give it a shot. So to you... show up, it's hard to say no when you're looking at them in their face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were like, we really want to get in, so we're all going to go and be very studious and involved in everything and make them yep. love us. Uh, so you and and Ryan, who is the managing editor at Tampa Bay, uh, and I went, and it was a really great conference. Yeah, it was, it was a really great conference. Um, I don't know if Ryan had been to Dallas before, um, but um, I used to live, when I was back in the service, I lived in uh, Shreveport, which is a couple hours away from Dallas and Louisiana. So we used to, me and my friends and partner used to go into Dallas quite often. Um, this was 20 years ago. Um, as far as I could tell, the city has changed dramatically. You know, didn't see no bookstores. When I used to go, back when I used to go to Dallas, there was bookstores and book depositories. Now both are gone. <laughs> I was going to say, there's definitely a book depository when somebody visited. Yes, well, it's a museum now. And we did visit that as well. But uh, yeah, so we spent a few days in Dallas, um, which the conference itself was fantastic. It was amazing. Um, there was a few instances getting and coming back from the conference um, with other companies. Um, I am not a good flyer as is, um, but the airlines that we used complicated it even more. Um, but well, well, that, that was the flight back. We'll get to that. But, um, so we stayed at, what was that? Warwick. Warwick Melrose. Warwick Melrose, this hundred year old hotel. Um, and if you picture a hundred year old haunted hotel in your mind, that's how this felt. It had a very Rosemary's Baby feel to it. It did. Because it was that U-shape. Yeah. And that carpet, um, it had, um, like, if you remember The Shining, that kind of weird um, shaped, car- with the different shaped carpets uh, uh, was all in the hallways, and just the, the paintings on the wall, and the old-timey kind of doorknobs, which were like clear crystal. Um, and it was just, it was a very... It looked like it. I mean, it was very well kept. I mean, I don't want to say it, it yeah. looked like a hundred-year-old hotel because it was dirty. It was very clean, but it was very retro, and it felt it had a piano bar in the lobby called the library, um, and it just felt like 
we were going to see little Victorian ghost children in this hotel. <laughs> um, and it, we might have. We might have. There was um, a, a certain employee there who said that uh, some of the rooms they don't put people in because they may or may not be haunted. Um, and she did not inform us whether we were in or around those rooms, although I think that she kind of implied that it was on the second floor near my room. Yeah, you know, I think that she was all game for for playing into it and telling us everything that was scary about it. And so I was like, yes, do not make me unable to sleep. I, you and I differ in um, that kind of stuff excited me. That I was like, oh, we could see like a Victorian ghost flying down the hallway. That would be exciting. You were like, I don't fucking want to see no ghosts. You know what it is? Supernatural things to me are like a cup of coffee at 9 p.m. <laughs> would I enjoy it? Yes, but would it keep me up all night? Absolutely. So I don't drink coffee at 9 p.m. So when I know that I'm alone in a hotel room, I, I'm already going to be freaked out. Like, But I love supernatural stories. Like I listen to this podcast, Spooked, and it's stupid because I listen to it knowing I'm not going to be able to sleep because yeah. of, you know, especially like if there are, are dead children involved, like, you know, The Shining. And so, so I'm like... Um, by the way, this is why I hate Halloween because <laughs> you, even if you're watching the Golden Girls on Hallmark, there's like some there will be a commercial for some scary movie, and <laughs> and I'll just wake up at like two in the morning because I'll hear this commercial, and then I'm like, crap, now I'm up for hours. But anyway, I just um, I the whole idea of it, right, of the supernatural world is that they always say like you can manifest it if you think about. it. Yeah. Or, so I'll lay in bed and I'll think, oh, there's this dead child at the end of my bed waiting to kill me. So I'll look and it's not there. And I'll look again and I'm like, oh, well, now I got to look a third time. But then I'm obsessing about it and I'm like, now you're going to manifest it. Ah, what do you do? Yeah. See, if I have my dog or my husband with me, then I'm fine. Can can protect you. They'll let me know that there's something there. Yeah. You know. You know, I was, um, I was visited. Oh my god, I was in the middle of drinking water when you said that. It almost came through my nose. I was visited. I was visited by three ghosts. Uh, no, when I was, um, yeah, when I was in the, like, my first couple of years in the service, I was stationed in uh, Avian in northern Italy. And the base we were at, very old base, we're going back, you know, like early 1900s. <clears throat> and they had, we like, there was jokes, like, people would joke around, like, hey, yeah, there's been ghost sightings, and, you know, we, we're, we're basically in a place that people have lived for thousands and thousands of years. Of course this place is haunted. So I was um, sleeping in my bed, and I was awoken um, by somebody sit. You know when you just feel somebody sit on the end of your bed? You feel the movement of the mattress? Um, I felt it. somebody sit on my bed. Now, I was still in the closet at this time, and it was kind of late at night, and I had gone to sleep. And I opened my eyes. I was facing towards the window because my bed faced towards the window. And I felt someone sit on the edge of my bed. And in my head, I thought it was my roommate. And I was like, did he come home drunk? And now he wants to fool around. So I'm kind of excited. <laughs> I was like, this is what I've been dreaming about my whole life. Um, and then I felt someone lean down on my shoulder, and I could not get up. And when I realized I couldn't, like, you know, there was pressure on me. And the more I tried to get up, the more I was being, felt like I was being pushed down. And I started to panic because I was like, holy shit, I am, somebody's here to murder me. 
And I took all my might. I threw myself up from the bed. No one in the room. And I'm pretty sure a ghost tried to wake me. Um, Were your eyes closed the whole time? No, when they sat on the edge of the bed, my eyes opened and they were open the whole time. And you didn't see anything? No, because they were pushing down on me. So I was. So you were face down? I was on my side. Oh, uh, okay. So it just felt like someone was just laying on my, my, my whole body. And I couldn't get up. There was just a weight on me. And I took all my might and I threw myself up out of bed and there was nobody there. The only thing that this could possibly mean is that I can never sleep in the same building as you ever again for the rest of my life. <laughs> now, somebody who's more rational than I, because um, my thing, I told everybody, I was like, I was visited by a ghost last night. And uh, people who were more rational than me said that what I had was sleep paralysis and that I forced myself out of it. And I was like, no, no, no. I wasn't paralyzed. I was assaulted. <laughs> I need retribution from Ghost Court. <laughs> is that where Beetlejuice is? Yes. He is currently serving three life sentences from Ghost Court. So What a show. You know what? I, there you go. When the writer's strike is over, start writing that show. That's a damn good show. I'd watch that. Ghost Court. <laughs> so, uh, wait, are you like on trial for the things you did while you were alive? The first episode is putting that ghost who just sat on me. Put him on trial. Don't don't rape the living. Anyway, it could be a whole lot of things. Things you did in when you were alive, things you did when you were dead. I mean, we'll go ten seasons. You can do a lot of ideas. That's true. Um, speaking of courts, you watched um, Jury Duty, right? I did. I also did that this I know. It's not one of our assignments, so we get too deep into it. But I just want to highly recommend Jury Duty. Oh, my God. What a hilarious show. It's okay. So the premise is um, there is, it's a documentary on uh, or a documentary series on um, the uh, jury system in Los Angeles. However, everyone on the show, except for this one juror, juror number six, um, is an actor. And he has no idea that this is a fake courtroom and a fake trial. And actor James Marston is on it, who is such a tool in that he's just, such a tool in this he is show. so full of himself and so in love with it and so quote unquote hollywood um it's hilarious and uh it reminded me of that remember back in the early 2000s joe millionaire yeah no, was that the one no joe schmo and it was a reality show but just the main guy was the only one who didn't wasn't an actor it was kind of the same premise but this one had a lot more heart to it so i enjoyed it a lot more than joe schmo yeah it's a it's a really good show um you know but to get back to the conference i'll just oh, say yes. that that uh for anyone who's like on the edge of their seat they're like just tell us if you got it uh we did get it we got voted we in unanimously yes. i believe we're now m members of am we are, and it was exciting. And what's really exciting about it is the conference was great. Yeah. It was really just rejuvenating. Um, it, you know, I think that's what, you know, most of the time when I go to conferences, uh, they're they're really just sales pitches for mm -hmm. whoever the sponsor is, you know. And so now they did the first two minutes, whoever sponsored that that session went in and, and gave like a 90-second spiel. But the rest of it was just real collaboration. And the, the track that I was on, because it's split, there's an editorial track and then there's a revenue and marketing track. 
And so I, you and Ryan went on the editorial yeah. track and I went on this other one and it was really publishers and sales directors of all of these newspapers around the country that were just brainstorming ideas. It was like round table kind of like, tell us a problem and let's hear how other people work that solution. It was the most useful uh, conference I've ever been to. What I deem as one of the best business decisions that I've ever made was, was going to this organization. Yeah. And it was definitely one of the conferences I've been to. I haven't been to a whole lot of conferences, but it is definitely one that I went to. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of useful information. Uh, met a lot of great people, um, other editors and designers and writers. And uh, uh, it was really great. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know what wasn't fun? For, oh, wait, go ahead. We went, um, you and I went to a bar oh my by God. the name of Roundup. And watch gay people country line dance, and it was the most amazing thing. Heaven. However, and I hope you're listening. We had one of the people who were there, one of the members, and they were like, "Oh, are you going uh, to the bar? Well, me, I'll meet you there." And I was like, all excited, like we made a new friend, <laughs> and we're gonna hang out. He never showed, and Rick commented because I must have looked like a heartbroken little girl whose prom date didn't show up because they kept whenever I'd see a group walk in, I'd look to the door <laughs> and he wasn't there. Break yeah, my heart. Break yeah, my heart. but you know, it, it's we were at the awards uh, thing for this. Yes, uh, for this organization, and right across the street was Roundup, and so as soon as it was over, of course, I'm like, this is my last chance to see gay people live dancing, <laughs> which you all know that I love. It's amazing. So. Uh, I, we were decided we were going to go over there, and then there's this gay guy from, like, uh, New, New England somewhere, uh, where he, uh, uh, I guess there's not a huge gay scene, so he wanted to go out, and, and he's like, hey, somebody said you guys are going out, and I just said, and I hope this didn't come across as rude, but oh, all I right, said, all I said was, well, going out to me is like, I'm going to go across the street for an hour, and then I'm going to go back and go to yes. bed. However, in my defense, I did say, I plan on going for a while, so join me, won't you? <laughs> and he said, no, thank you. Did you at any point <laughs> refer to the place that he works as seven days? Because that may be what deterred him. <laughs> yeah. Well, why are you calling your paper seven days? We all know that's the time frame for the little girl from for the, the ring. ring to come murder you. Yeah. Uh... Anyway. <laughs> I'm it's a, I will say it's though, a very a clever shit, name for they a got a shit ton of awards. And, they did uh, in one of the um, one of the courses that we took. It was showing covers um, from very from some of the uh, from the the issue the the newspapers that are in the uh, the AAN and the seven days covers are they're fantastic. Their designer is amazing. Now I will say the guy who was there as the designer did say with every cover that came out, he's like, yeah, I knew that's not my cover. Yeah, I knew that's not my cover. So whoever <laughs> was good, and I'm sure he's good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, he he blew us off, which is fine. I mean, it's like he probably like he probably wanted to go out. Most people who want to go out, yeah. they want to go out at like ten yeah. o'clock at night. You know, in in his defense, when he asked us if we were going out, it was like eight thirty. Yeah, and, and we're, we're like, like we're going out right we're now. We're heading out over there, and Rick's like, after an hour, I'm back in bed, and he's like, mm, never mind. It although it did take an hour for the line dancing to start, yeah, and then. Um, I did get text messages from other people at the conference that I that I think they were all starting to go out about the time that we were, you were having your last drink and we were yeah. going to go. But it was cool. I liked the place. 
But we had to leave because we had to to get up at 4 a.m. to catch our flight. I cannot wait until we start videotaping these so that people can see what you just did. I dropped my wine dripped down to the the bottom of my stem of my glass. So I've been licking the stem. It does not like to waste. Ooh. I will say, licking the stems and being children of the 90s, um, I heard nice stems in my head. And I was like, oh, no, don't lick the stems. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so yeah, we um, our flight left like at 7.30 in the morning. So we had to get to the airport like at 5. Yeah. Um, or 5.30. So we were up at 4.30, um, which uh, was a lot. That's that's an early time to rise. It is. That's an early time to rise. So we especially get... when you can't sleep in a haunted hotel. <laughs> so we get, <laughs> we get to the airport, and uh, as I stated earlier in this podcast, I do not fly well. So I got um, some um, medical assistance from my doctor, if you will, some pills to take for the plane. Um, but uh, I had uh, upgraded my seats because. In my weird um, hypochondriac brain and my weird um, anxiety-filled brain, um, I get more anxious the further back up I am on the plane. And for some reason, I think my mindset is the closer I am to the front, if something happens and goes down, like say the pilot has a heart attack and dies, that I, the closer I am, the more I can get to the cockpit and land this plane for everybody. Now... I know that that's not going to happen because I don't know how to fly. But in my head, the closer I am, I can handle the situation. The further back I am, the more I'm screwed. It's like, you're not, you're not at the tail and making it to the front and saving these people. So I had booked uh, or paid extra to get seats close to the front. So we get there and we print up our boarding passes. And we get boarding passes with rows all the way in the back. And we're like, what the hell? So we went and talked. To Marlene, <laughs> or is whatever that, her name was. I think you were that's, calling her Irma. I don't Irma, know. that's was yeah. That, was that a Ryan, real name? I don't think so. I think that's just the name uh, Ryan gave her. Oh, okay. So we <laughs> blame it on Ryan. <laughs> so so we walk up to the counter, and I was like, and we had paid. You know, this is how this is one of those things. This is another industry that's gone to hell since yeah. COVID, and that's flying. And you get no say in anything. Yeah. You you have to pay for every. It's like uh, it's a la carte. Everything is so. You know, you want to you want to pick a seat. You got to pay for it. Yeah. So but, and we did, and we did. So they weren't. We weren't given the seats that we had paid for. So we walked up to the counter, and she said, "How can I help you?" And oh, it is five thirty in the morning. Yeah. And she said, "How can I help you?" And I said, uh, "Well, these aren't the seats that we had paid for." And then she looks at me and goes, "Well, what seats did you pay for?" Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? Strike one, Irma. What is that? How is the answer to that question going to help? So I just said, eighteen, eighteen A, and seven and seven H. Yeah. Now what? And then now she what, goes, Irma? Because in the plane, <laughs> when we did our upgrade, uh, I was offered an upgrade. There was one seat left in first class. It was like, I don't remember how much. It was $70, $80, whatever. You can upgrade to first class. So that's I said, a bargain, yeah, too. That's what I snatched yeah. it up. And I was like, I upgraded to first class. And she goes, mm, there's no first class on this plane. Bullshit, Irma. We got on the plane and there was a first class. You liar. Do you know what's so, what sucks so much about it too? Oh, this is, so she was really irritating. So rude. But Jeremy got, Jeremy irritated her, which made me laugh. Mm. So she asked at one point, because she put me in a seat. I said, yeah. I'll take whatever window seat you have. She put me in a window seat. And then Jeremy, and then I said, Jeremy needs an aisle seat. 
Uh, but he needs to be up as, fr- as, as close, close to the, to the front, front yeah. of the plane as possible. And, and there's she, a, her, one of her co-workers is standing yeah. next to her. And so she's like, well, um, I have this seat, but it's several rows away. Um, are you guys together? And Jeremy goes, yeah, but we're not married. <laughs> and she got so irritated. Gets so, her friend laughed. She yeah. thought that was hilarious. But Irma <laughs> got irritated. Now, Irma said, well, I, people who fly together like to sit together. So she gave me the seat, which is, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 rows ahead of Rick. We get to the gate. We're waiting. Can I just say real quick, a sign, Irma, that we don't care about the separation is that I paid for 18A and 7H. Yeah. Let that be a sign. Not 28C and 27J, which is where we ended up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I get my seat in like row 19. So we get up there and he scan Rick's boarding pass and he goes in and they scan my boarding pass. The guy at the gate scans it, looks at it. He goes, nope, that's not right. Sets it down, pulls one out of the stack that put me back on the same row Rick was on. Oh, you were one row behind me. Yeah. Yeah. Irma did that. I know she did. Yeah. You know, she did on purpose. She called up to the gate and said, mm, I got someone for you to mess with. But so what happened was they changed planes three times. Three times. Uh, Couldn't the decide plane that, what plane to send us home on. Yeah. So it's when that happens, it's just a big, you know, cluster F, yeah. as the kids say. Mm. And so it was just, it's just pointless. There's got to be a better system for this. Yeah. It's not like it's cheap to fly. No. So, so have a better system. Yeah. And I'm not going to call out the airlines, but I mean, just the way we were treated was very un-American. <laughs> 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 you strike me as the kind of a person that would travel abroad, and no matter what happens, you're yell, but I'm an American. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get into this story, but back in back in the day when I was flying for the military, um, I because of Lufthansa, which is the German airlines, like uh, a big one, yeah, like the biggest, because they screwed up. Our plane ended up taking off late and landing late, and a bunch of us missed our connecting flights. Mine was connecting to Washington, D.C. And um, I was at the gate, and I was there. The plane was right there. And there was like nine or ten of us who were trying to get on this plane. And she's like, doors closed. And we're like, the plane doesn't take off for 20 minutes. It was, it was your fault, blah, 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 blah. So she would not let us on. So... I held up my military idea and I said, I am on an important mission to Washington, D.C. And I need to be on that plane. And she's like, I don't care anything about Washington. And I may have called her a Nazi. (laughs) In the country of Germany. And the, you could hear a pin drop. The (gasps) shock from everyone around me. Apparently, Germany has worked very hard to prevent people from calling them Nazis for the last 50 years. And she looked like she wanted to cry. When I called <laughs> Is that shit you on the plane then? No. Oh. Um, when I realized I was about to be attacked by the mob, because I said Nazi in Germany, um, I said, I will take this up with the front desk. I walked away. Oh, wow. Anyway, I had to stay at the German airport in Frankfurt overnight, and then they flew me into Philadelphia. So that was the only time oh, I got like Philadelphia. Yeah. All right, so the one thing, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, no more than just a couple yes. of minutes, but I just want to point out that we got to do a bucket list thing while we were there, and that was we got to go to the site of the Kennedy assassination Yes, and go to the book depository. Yes, we got to, we got to see where uh, Lee Harvey Oswald 
supposedly killed Kennedy. We saw, and then we got to see where the actual and then we got shooters. To see where the actual shooters, stood, <laughs> which you can tell which one the government supports, because where Lee Harvey Lee Harvey Oswald was, huge museum, money put into it, television screens, movies playing, and where he actually stood is blocked off. It's just a oh yeah yeah. yeah. You know why? Because they don't want you to get in there and mm-hmm. see that it's impossible for him to have yeah. made the fatal shot. So if you go behind the fence in the grassy knoll where he actually was shot. It's just a parking lot, but written on the fence are a lot of messages of people saying, welcome to where Kennedy was actually shot from. You know what was most interesting to me about it is that it wasn't more of a sacred place. Like the where yeah. the depository is now a museum. So that yeah. was fine. But the grassy no I didn't know this until the, the, uh, the lady in front of the elevator told us, um, because the building was bought by the government, the top, the sixth floor where Oswald was is a museum. The third through the fifth floor are government offices. Oh, really? Yeah, she's she said people, government workers work in those floors. Huh. The um, yeah, that's that's interesting. But what what surprised me is like the actual location of his yeah. of like where he was shot. Yeah, is it's an active street. Yeah, there's a chalk. X. Just yeah, X on is the road. where the car was when each of the three. And you can just tell him. that when cars drive over it and it goes away, somebody just goes out there yeah, and puts another couple X's. They had some sort of more permanent looking X, but it's obvious it's like faded away yeah. from the constant driving. And yeah, there's just like chalk over top. I, somebody every morning probably goes out there just to draw a chalk in chalk over top. The and X's. it seemed very small. Yeah, like in my brain, it was all bigger. Uh, yeah, and, but I, I noticed this. This is the only thing I have to say about it. There is no way. No. There is no way that from that angle, Lee Harvey Oswald shot the president and the head, president's mm-hmm. head moved back into the left. I will talk a lot of shit about Oliver Stone and Kevin Costner, but those two are absolutely right that Lee Harvey Oswald was. I'm not saying you none know, you, of the bullets were from Lee Harvey Oswald, right. but that fatal shot the third shot is not from lee harvey Oswald. yeah and we're by no means experts on this we just happen to actually see the angle yeah. at which it happened we're not experts but we have eyes <laughs> and i just don't see any possibility no. other than than this what this is then what in the movie if you've yeah. seen jfk the magic unless it is a magic bullet that flew around the car in made 90 degree angle turns there is no way that someone else wasn't shooting at uh, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, not. Uh, yeah. Um, I just but, don't see how it happens. But... And we'll post. I'll, you know what? I'll post some of the photos we took. Um, oh, but yeah. While I was there, we went oh, to the gift like, shop. We're not going to uh, post photos of the assassination. I, yeah, <laughs> we took photos from the grassy knoll. We have the the secret shooter. Um, is it weird? Now, like we're smiling in the photos. We're like, oh, hey. like it's just weird. Yeah, it's it's very weird because. Not that, it's just, I don't know how to behave in a place like that. Yeah. But, like, there was, um, they have the the um, the Associated Press wire machine from that yeah. day. And the actual wire that came through of him being shot. And yeah. being news people, I mean, I got so excited seeing that. It's just, a, it's a really important day in history. So it's, yeah. it was a really awesome thing to experience. Yeah. And but that's in the, uh, the gift shop, um, I was going around, I had uh, put my contacts in because I worked. Uh, glasses most of the time, but I put contacts in that day. And uh, so I didn't have sunglasses. And they had a little stand there with actual authentic replicas of the Jackie O sunglasses. So I got a pair so that I could wear a pair of sunglasses. And um, <laughs> got a pair. I got a pair. <laughs> and I messaged my roommate, Chris, who 
already has a Jackie O jacket. And I was like, I got you a pair. Of, he does have a Jackie O jacket. I got you a pair of authentic Jackie O glasses. And he was like, oh my God, that's awesome. How much do those cost you? And I was like, mm. by authentic, I mean they're replicas. And he goes, oh, that's good too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so while we were on this trip, on the way up there, yes. um, I noticed that there were, there were some movies that were available that might be of interest for us to do on this yes. podcast. So we decided... That on the way back, well, at least for me on the way back, that I would watch um, this Of an Age. Yes. Uh, which is... An Australian romantic drama film, which um, I watched because it's available on Peacock. If you have Peacock, it's on there. You can watch it. Um, it's not new. When, it, when did it come out? It came out earlier this year. It was filmed in oh, I thought it was 22, but it re- oh. was released in February 2023. Okay. And... Um, for background, um, if you go back to on watermarkonline.com, back to March, we actually have an interview um, with um, Goran Stolveski, who is the director of the movie. Brian will be so proud of you for mentioning that we covered this in Thank Watermark. You. Yes. Hopefully Ryan listens to this as much you know, as I we, read Watermark. We know Ryan doesn't listen to the podcast. This is why we make a point to talk about yes. it every time. I'm waiting for that text message or that call to say, hey, I listened to the podcast, heard your shout out to me, or heard the derogatory comment. She said something. <laughs> Just something, Ryan. Let us know you're out there and okay. Anyway, you can so send yes. an email too, Ryan. www.watermarkonline.com. <laughs> he has done that before, by the way. Yes, yes. Um, so, yes, you suggested. So, you watched it on the plane. I watched it as part of my um, extravagance of entertainment yesterday where I watch way too much television. <laughs> um, but um, yes, yeah, so it's a so, 2022 Australian drama. Yeah, romance. it takes place in 1999. The first half. Oh yeah, the first half. Um, each section is of an age. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I took this right off of IMDb, so I'm okay. going to give them that credit. But So this is the premise. In the summer of 1999, a 17-year-old Serbian-born Australian amateur ballroom dancer, that is a lot of qualifiers, um, experiences an unexpected and intense 24-hour romance with a friend's older brother. So that's just the gist of it. Yes. If you read Watermark, Greg Shapiro says, it is an exhilarating, funny, sexy, touching, and ultimately heartbreaking, rare, transformative, gay, coming-of-age story. So the only way to describe this show is to put way too many qualifiers in it. <laughs> okay, so 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 here's here's how it all works out, right? So there's this character Cole, right? Yes. He is the Serbian-born Australian amateur ballroom dancer. And Which, okay, I get that you want to give backstory to that, you know, it helps to flesh out your characters. I feel like, well, I guess the scene at the end. I I, I was trying the entire film trying to figure out. Why does it matter that he was a ballroom dancer? Like that fills no aspect of the story, but I guess in the end, at the I, way you know what? I watched the preview and I thought it was a different movie than what actually I saw. Yeah, I thought like I thought, oh, he's leaving to go to go to do some dance thing, but that's not at all what was happening. Yeah, uh, the other guy was leaving. Yeah, I, so I was watching. I was like, I'm confused. Which he was going to he was going to school for his PhD, and I don't know why this cracked me up, but. Uh, Cole when he's sitting in the car with him and uh, he's upset that he's leaving. He goes, how long does it take for a PhD? And I was like, oh, how sad. Yeah, it was cute. It, it was. It, it was a... Uh... 
yeah, I have a lot to say about uh, mm-hmm. about it all. But so, uh, but just in the beginning, so the show starts off with this with this woman op- like waking up on a beach. Yes, and she has no idea where she is. Yes, and turns out she is a Tasmanian devil of a person. Oh, and it's Australian. Look at me. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I just realized that. Um, you should throw another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> So she's just a wreck of a human being, and she's a, she's a terrible friend to Cole. They're they're like horrible. really good friends. She's a horrible person. And so they're supposed to be performing what I they keep calling it finals. I guess it's a competition. I of course am thinking he's in dance school, and it's his final, and they've got to be there. But apparently, it's finals week. And I never get there. Apparently. He was very upset. Uh, and they, anyway, they, so they were in some competition and they were supposed to dance together. And she woke up in some town an hour, an away, hour away. And, and so he was trying to get, find out where she was to get to her in time to get to this competition. Yeah. And so the only way that they could get to her was to, for him to contact her brother and say, let's go. Hey, you've got a car. Well, it's funny because in that scene when she's being a total mean, nasty person to, to him she's just nasty to him and she's like figure this out you're the one who screwed up right and she's like figure this out and he's like i don't know anybody who has a car and doesn't have a life who can just drop everything and she goes i know someone and it's her brother yes <laughs> she's like get my brother he has a car and he has no life right so on the way out to get her um, Adam, who is her brother, yeah. and Cole, who is her friend, are having this conversation yeah. and getting along really well. Uh, and then right when they get to her, Cole, the friend, finds out that Adam, the brother, is gay. Yes. And it changes and his it demeanor. stirs up some feelings inside. Yeah, I mean, I guess we should say, too, that every time Cole walks into a room, somebody calls him a gay slur yeah. because he's very, he's dressed as a ballroom dancer he's, and he yeah, must he's be... Yeah, he's got a, a very shiny black leotard on, or one piece on, that is cut very low. Now, if you're a ballroom dancer, you know what kind of costumes they wear, so it's very it's typical of those. It's very strictly ballroom. Yeah, very, very. And if you don't know ballroom dancing... It looks like Liberace just fucking walked in, and you're like, what the hell are you wearing? So, um, yeah, they pick her up, and as her character does in every scene that she appears in, she sucks the oxygen out of the room and makes everything about her. You know what I wrote down? I wrote, I feel like I know her. Oh, we all know an Ebony. Yeah. Uh, we, her name is Ebony in the movie. We all know an Ebony, and I cannot stand her. I, I, I will say this. I, without saying who this person is, because I you know, certainly don't want to call anybody out and, and get into any kind of trouble, depending on who lives. But let's just say there's this there's this whirlwind of a person that I used to hang out with from time to time. And the next day after hanging out with her, somebody asked me how my day was. This is back when I used to drink. And I my only response is that I may or may not have been involved in some kind of convenience store heist. <laughs> and I was like, I don't really, I'm not really sure of how it all went down. I'm pretty sure that they paid for everything, uh, but I think it was after they don't serve beer, so they just kind of took beer but left the money on the counter kind of yeah. a thing. Uh, I wasn't in there at the time, but I was in the car, and it's just, it's just that kind of just mayhem all the time. Um, for those who watch Friends, um, this would be Gandalf. Remember their friend, Ross and... Uh, Chandler's friend. Gandalf oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, you know, he comes in to hang out for an evening and you end up on a boat to Nova Scotia with dry socks. 
So I think that in somewhere, if somebody, the people that he used to hang out with, they're probably thinking, "Is it me?" No, they were like, "It's Rick. Oh. He's, he's the one." <laughs> he's in here talking about like it's us, but no, he was the problem. I, no, I mean, they were. I. Um, it was a goal of mine sometimes when I went out to to wake up in a in a place where I didn't know where I was. Yeah. In fact, one time I remember at like three in the morning trying to convince uh, a group of people to go to the Hard Rock Casino in Tampa with the bartender. I was like, "Come on, let's all go. It'll be fun." That's your twenties, though. That's what you. Do. I think I was thirty five. Oh, I know. <laughs> this is why I don't drink anymore. Um. Yeah, I had a moment when in my twenties. Uh, this is again when I was stationed in Aviano. Um, I called my mother. I don't know what time it was here, but it was like 3 a.m. in Italy. And I called her drunk off my ass from a town called um, Bedoya in their industrial park. And I called her so drunk. And she's like, Jeremy? And I said, Mama, I'm lost and I don't know where I am. And she goes, what do you mean? I was like, she was like, I got drunk and my friends left me. So I walked out of the bar and I'm in a town in a country and I don't know where I am. And then I hung up the phone. And she was feverishly calling me back and, like, panicking. And uh, I fell asleep in a ditch and woke up and it was raining. And I was, like, waist high in water. And then I ended up, uh, each town, uh, little town in, in Italy has a little Catholic church in the middle of each town. Um, so, and it said the uh, Bedoya, um, whatever it said, the, Bedo- the Catholic church of Bedoya or whatever. So I called my friend Amanda. And I was like, hey, sorry to bug you at three in the morning, but I am drunk off my ass in Bedoya. And her and her boyfriend came and picked me up. And all I remember is her boyfriend was so hot. You're the ebony. I, I was the ebony <laughs> in that story, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so, so that's the beginning. So that's the first part of the story. Yes. Are they, are they, well, they end up picking her up, they drop her off, they end up at the same party that night, and they yeah. spend, and they have the night Which, together. I love this thing, because they end up, um, Adam and Cole end up hanging out. And Adam's like, you know, why are you friends with Ebony? Which I think we all were asking Cole, why yeah. the hell are you friends with her? And he's like, well, I love her, like a friend, not like anything else. And uh, he's like, she just treats me real well. And he's like, she didn't, have, oh, she invited me to this party to make it up. And he's like, she didn't invite you to this party. I did. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Here's where the sexy time's going to happen. Oh, before we got to that part, though, um, I do want to point out the yellow T-shirt scene. <laughs> when um, So Adam, after he they drop off um, Ebony, and he comes in, and the mother's yelling at Ebony, where have you been all night? Adam gives him a box of T-shirts. And he's like, these are just old T-shirts, so you know, if you want them, you can have them. So Adam goes back, or Cole goes back to his house, and he goes up to his room, and he um, takes his shirt off, and he puts on one of Adam's yellow t-shirts, and he, like, sniffs it, and then gets on the floor, drops his pants, starts to jerk off in this t-shirt, and I was like, mm, it's one of those movies. <laughs> Can I, I want to say something about that scene, too. Yeah. Um, we, like I said, I got up at, like, 4.15 that morning. Oh! <laughs> so I, so I start watching this movie. <laughs> on a, hold on, before on a plane. You, you're watching us on a plane, who's to your, what, who is in your rep? What There's, kind of people? Uh, I believe it was, I think it might have been a couple, or it was, I don't know. It was two nuts. I'm so, I was so tired, and it, and it feels like it was three months ago. Yeah. And so I don't really, but there was, a, it was a, it was a middle-aged white guy. 
right next to me. Somebody who probably isn't going to watch this That's movie. my bet. That's my bet. I don't think it was somebody who was on their way to visit Disney. I feel like they were they were leaving their town of Dallas to go to Orlando for some sort of They were of coming here to see if Exodus was still open. Yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> they were coming to meet with the guy that worked with the Chick-fil-A that gave money cool. to the Uganda. That's what he was coming here for. So I, I'm watching this movie, and... Um, I I fall asleep like right before that scene. Yeah, and I wake up to the later on when they when they hook up to the guy saying I'm sorry, I'm oh. sorry because he prematurely ejaculated, yes. and the well, guy says him, he said I can do it again. <laughs> yeah, and, and the other guy's like, so this is what I woke up to him saying I'm sorry, and I can do it again, and. You will. Oh, and I was like, oh. So, so then I was like, what did I miss? So I rewinded it <laughs> all the way to that scene with the shirt. And the poor guy next to me had to watch it all yeah, over again. He liked it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, that would be. Oh, maybe he did. Ugh. I am sorry to that woman next to him. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So um, he. Uh, in the but he didn't get to. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, because he gets interrupted. He gets interrupted. Now, he cuts to the next scene. I'm sure he finished. I mean, we're guys here. Come on. No, because he had to leave. Obviously, we know he can do it quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I I may have blinked. He may have finished. Off off camera, he finished real quick. Uh, Left the same yellow t-shirt on, and then he goes to the party. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, him and Adam uh, end up going. He's like, you know, I'll take you home. Adam picks him up. Uh, they end up doing it in his car, right? Yeah. Well, he's like he drop he goes to his house and he says, uh, "So what? Are you, what are you gonna do?" And he goes, uh, "I'm just gonna go for a drive." He goes, "Can I go with you?" So they go for a drive, and they're at, he has a station wagon, and uh, they drive to I don't know. It's in Australia, so it's, I don't know someplace in the outback, and there's like nobody around, and they get in the back of or no, they get out, and then he kisses them, and then next thing you know, they're in the back of the uh, station wagon, taking clothes off. And Adam goes down on Cole, and Cole, uh, I mean, the scene is maybe 15, 20 seconds, and he's like, uh, uh, wait, 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 oh. He's like Monica for friends. Seven, seven. And then he said, I'm sorry. He goes, I can do it again. He goes, oh, you will. And then it cut. And I was like, don't cut there. Let's see it happen again. Um, I've got 20 more seconds. <laughs> so then they he drives him home. And he's like, can I walk you? Adam says, can I walk you to your door? And he goes, no, my uncle. Apparently, because they're Serbian. Apparently, they're very uh, conservative there. And his uncle will lose his shit or something. So he's like, no. And they're like, you know, you know, that's when he says, you know, how long does a PhD take? And he's like, well, you know, have, you know, have a good life. Yeah, and Cole in this in this part of the movie is 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other guy's 20. Adam's 24. Yeah. 24. Er, early to mid 20s. Yeah. They're, they're about three or four or five years apart. Um, but they they know that it was just a one night thing. He's going to get his PhD. This guy's going to, Cole's going to go out and live his life. And that they're not going to see yeah. each other. And, and Adam both says, are getting very emotional. Adam says, promise me you'll meet somebody. Yeah. Um, and then they hug and he says, my beautiful boy. And then he cuts. Yeah. And then it cuts to like the future. 2010. 11 years okay. later. Now, I just wanted to say this. Did did they 
did they stop filming and wait a few years and start filming again? I because they did a fantastic job. I gotta say, and I don't at making Cole. I don't know how they did that. I because obviously Cole is in his late teens. He's like eighteen. I think they. You know what? Apparently, just putting pimples on him. He has acne and stuff, and he has no beard. That was probably makeup, right? Yeah. yeah. They, I, they, it looks like real. They did a very good job they, at making him look nineteen. If and anything, then they should get hurt. a makeup, uh, hairstyle, and makeup nomination for this because he looked like you know his bone structure even looked older. Yeah, like his he, when he had the yellow shirt on, he pulled his pants down. He had some acne down there. You can tell he shaves. And I was like, oh, it's bumpy. Um, but yeah, then it cuts to two thousand ten. <laughs> And he's like smooth skin, beard. He looks like he's in his early thirties. And I was like, "You are not the same person." But it is the same actor. Yeah, it is. And he it, looks good. He looks now, good. nothing against both of them. They're both attractive men. Um, Cole glowed up. Adam did not. Adam, and I can say this as someone who has a receding hairline. Adam's hairline was running away from him. <laughs> it was. It It had called it quits. It had done its thing. It was retiring. And it was... Well, spoiler alert. Can I give a spoiler now? Sure. Marriage will do that to you. <laughs> oh, God. I I can't imagine that I felt the same way Cole did because I wasn't getting fucked. But I was like, I was heart when he was like, yeah. Yeah, so they so they come back to meet because Trainwreck, Ebony, is getting married. Yes. To, of course, a, a douchebag. Douchebag who's sleeping with a bridesmaid. Sleeping with a bridesmaid. Which they never came back. You know what? I will say, just as a whole, this movie, I love the Adam and Cole stuff. I wish that was the whole movie. Yeah. The Ebony stuff, just, it's so chaotic and tragic. You and know, I, I watched an interview with them and they asked them what their favorite part to film was and the actor Thomas Tom Green who played Adam yeah. said his favorite parts were the car scenes yeah. but it was just the two of them that's the that's the movie man. yeah that's uh, it, that's the best part of the movie yeah so they come back for her wedding and they're all hanging out and somebody mentions that Adam, Adam has is, gotten has married. Now, Adam hasn't mentioned this. No. Adam oh, finds at the airport. they both see each other at the airport. Yeah. And they take the train into uh, whatever Australian town they live in. Um, and they're talking, and um, Cole, who was this closeted little gay kid who loved dance, he's, like, working for um, this nonprofit, and he's got a little gay tattoo on his bicep, and he's just... He's accepted who he's just finally accepted who yeah. he is. Um, and it's the whole point of the train ride, it feels like, is to say, Look, I have accepted who I am. I am a proud gay man, and I'm here to claim my man and go back to where I came from. And Adam is like, You look really good, and you're doing really good. And he's like, mm, When are we going to hook up? You know, he's like, Hey, you stay with me. And he's like, No, 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 I got a hotel. And he goes, mm, I'll take you to your hotel. Um, and then they get to Ebony's house or their mother's house where she's, Ebony's getting ready for the wedding. And yes, yeah, so one of the bridesmaids mentions that Adam is, oh, cause they ask Cole, um, are you seeing anybody or are you, you know, together with anybody or married? And he said, yeah, when it becomes legal, then I'll look into it. Oh, then, yeah. And then yeah. they said Adam did it. And they're like, well, Adam did it. And, and it's the like... look on Cole's world explode. It just disintegrates. And... Uh, Adam apparently met some Canadian who he's like, oh, we got married in Toronto, and he's a wonderful Canadian, and um, just forgot that Cole existed. So sad. Well, he obviously didn't forget that Cole existed. No. He just... Now, I kept saying this in my head as I'm watching it, was 
Cole just completely basically blows Adam off. He's like, I don't want nothing to do with you. He gets his bag. He goes to his hotel. Adam's like, I'll take you to your hotel. He goes, no, I called a cat. Well, he's pissed. He's he hurt. Him. Yeah. But the whole time I'm watching Cole be pissed, I'm thinking, dude, it's been 11 years. Did you think he stopped his world for you? And then in that last scene, when he be- when they're talking, and he basically says, I stopped my, I froze, the world froze for me in that moment. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you you well, froze the last in eleven the, years in the sense that he 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 couldn't find that in anyone else, yeah. And he wanted to to find this guy Adam and get back together, and it meant that much to him. It just didn't have the same effect yeah. on Adam. And Adam just figured, you know, this is this kid who's gonna, I don't know, it's very like um, "Call Me by Your Name" kind oh, of a thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the, the yellow T-shirt scene is their peach scene. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Would it be funny if the shirt was orange instead of yellow? Mm. It's like their banana seed, but that might have a whole new meaning. Do you know what I what I thought about when I saw that? What? Is that uh, foreign films just don't care? No, <laughs> they don't care about the ending. See, here we like we like our our shows to be tied up with a little bow. We like for the we want protagonist. The we pretend we don't, but we want everything to end happy. We want something for the protagonist. Yeah. Whether, whether it's like, so, okay, so that didn't work out for you. So then Cole goes out to some bar and then sees a guy and the guy smiles at him. That would be like, okay, we know Cole's going to be okay. Yeah. This didn't end that way. No. It just ended with sadness honest, and crying. I really love the way this ended. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they go to the wedding, and basically the whole wedding, Cole ignores Adam. He goes on the dance floor, dances with Ebony. Adam goes and dances with his mom. And then Cole is leaving the wedding. Adam comes chasing after him, and he's like, hey, what, you know, where are you going? Where are you going? Let's hang out. <laughs> so they, um, that's when they go, and they're, like, hanging out in the outback or whatever they, they're doing, and they talk, and that's when Cole says, basically... I've been waiting for you for the last 11 years, you know, because that was amazing what we had. And um, he's like, yeah, I went and got married. He's like, are you happy? And he goes, yeah. And he's like, okay. And so uh, they go back to Cole's hotel. He takes him to his hotel. And um, he's like, uh, you come up with me. And he's like, oh, okay. Oh, no, that because um, they're standing outside the hotel. And Adam goes, says to Cole, give me your key. And he gives him his key. And then he just walks into the hotel. So Cole's like, all right. And he follows them. And then they go in. And he's like, um, I don't want to have sex. Cole tells Adam, I don't want to have sex with you. You have a husband. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to have sex with you either. I thought Cole said, I want to have sex with you. No. What do you want to do? And the other guy said, I want to hold you. I, because, and this is nothing against Australians. Uh, I put captions on because I couldn't understand a lot what they were saying. And according to the captions, both of them said, I don't want to have sex. And I'm pretty Adam sure says, I heard Cole say, do? I want to F. <laughs> oh, I'll, we'll, we'll go back and look at it. Right. We'll talk, but I'm, the caption said, neither one of them want to have sex. So Adam says, well, what is it that you do want to do? And he goes, uh, or he asks Adam, what is it that you do want to do? And he says, I just want to hold you. So they get in bed and they hold each other. And then Adam whispers to him, my beautiful. And then the movie ends. What's worse? If you're married to someone, do you want them to just you know bone what? somebody or do you want them to hold somebody As all night in bed? As I was watching this, I said, I'm not married, but when we get on the podcast, I'm going to ask Rick there. What is worse? That he held him and called him my beautiful boy. Or if they yeah, would have had sex. Because then I'm like, what am I? Yeah. 
What one would upset you more? Now, I'm sure both are going to upset well, you. Well, yeah. I but mean, which one is worse? I mean, they're both terrible. But I think it's worse to say, I mean, that's basically like, I love you. Yeah. And that's worse. That's not lust. That's falling, love. falling in love with somebody yeah. else is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. My thought was, because when he was, they said, I just want to hold you. And then he called him my beautiful boy. I was like, this is so much worse than if you guys just banged in the elevator. <laughs> this, this, There's a lot of emotions here. And your Canadian boyfriend, which apparently is real, um... Because, you know, in the States, if you say you have a Canadian girlfriend, then they know you're a lying homo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, your husband... And I don't know. I'm torn here because I like Adam and Cole. And I'm like, you know what? As long as you both keep your mouth shut, you don't tell anybody this happens, then have your moment where you hold each other. Um, and yeah, then go home and don't tell Mr. Canada. Anyway... A conflicting ending. Yeah. I like them both. But it's a good movie. It, it's it's really a good, good movie. What do you think? Uh, um, let's rate it. Okay. Um, I will say... Um, well, I'm going to say audiences because the audience that would watch this movie, this is an independent film. So uh, I don't think like mass audiences are going to be searching this out. I think it's going to be very specific to independent film and LGBT film uh, seekers. So I think they're going to like it. I'm going to say... Uh, in 89 for audiences. For critics, um, they love this independent show. I'm going to say, same thing. Eight, I'm going to go 89 across the board. 85 critics, Ooh. 88 audience. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I... liked I, a little more than audiences and a lot more than critics. I liked it better than I thought I would. Yeah. It, it yeah. was actually, it was really good. Um, and I will say, the movie itself as a whole, I didn't like everything. But... The conversations with Adam and Cole are worth sitting through the ebony bullshit. Yeah. It reminded me of the first time I was ever in love and yeah. how much of a child I was about it and Not how I didn't I understand love, relationships. It and... reminded me of the first time I had sex with a guy. His name was Ryan, I think. <laughs> it was 20 years ago. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure his name was Ryan. He had a girlfriend, much like Adam did, um, and I was in Italy. And uh, we were at a bar. And, it, you know, there's this... I, I love the advances that we have made for our community. But there is something about... Just so exciting about the secrecy of your gay romance. But we were... I remember we were at a bar. And his girlfriend is to his left. And I'm sitting next to him. And Marlena, uh, who's a friend of mine, is sitting next to me. And we're at a booth at this bar called Cow Bar. Um, in Aviano. And... He, we're sitting there talking. He's talking to his girlfriend, and I'm talking to Marlena. And he just moved his leg, and he pressed his knee against mine. And just the excitement of, oh, my God, what if somebody sees our legs touching? And then he, like, put his hand under the table, and he just kind of grazed my knee with his finger. And it's, like, that kind of excitement. That, that like, that's the kind of thing in this movie where it was, like, you know, that, that was exciting. And you don't get that anymore because we're all accepted. Which is great. It works out better for everybody. It's still exciting when someone that you like graces their hand across yours or hits their knee against but the, yours. The fear You'll that, find out one day. The it's... fear of a bunch of straight guys who want to beat your ass for being a homo. Um, there was some excitement in that. Nah, it's just that, like, you know, this idea that first love is going to last forever and, <laughs> and it's not most of the time. Yeah, I had a professor one time tell me when I was in love with this guy I was in college in North Carolina and he said 
um, cherish this moment because when you break up, it'll be helpful to remember how you feel now. And I was like, we're not going to break up. <laughs> and it was actually a big rift in our relationship. Yeah. Uh, but it's stupid because, of course, we were going to. He was going to New York and I was staying in North Carolina. So it, so I saw a lot of similarities there. So I, I found it very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so do we want to talk about this news article or do we want to just go on to... Let's go right into Barbie. We're gonna go right into yeah. uh, right into Barbie. Our I'm other a Barbie assignment. Girl in a Barbie world. Um, so yes, um, what looks like it may be one of the biggest movies of the year had a huge, the biggest opening so far in 2023. Barbie opened this past weekend. We don't really have to talk about what it's about, right? Because <laughs> it's mean, about Barbie. Yeah, I mean. Uh, the premise of it is, uh, real quick, Barbie is in Barbie land with all the other Barbies and Ken and Alan. <laughs> oh, poor Alan. Poor, uh, poor, poor Alan. maybe gay Alan. Uh, I'm pretty sure, well, Alan is definitely a gay, and so is Sugar's daddy. Yes. <laughs> Which, I can't believe, I'm pretty I sure. I can't believe this stuff was real. This was all real. Sugar's daddy is a... Um, a Ken-style Barbie doll that had a doll, a little poodle called yeah, Sugar. It was real. Yeah, and, and it was dis- it was canceled. I'm not sure if they actually produced them or not, but the idea was put out. Apparently, there was backlash, and they canceled it. I don't know if they actually produced any of the dolls. Well, at the during the credits of the show, uh, they show you all the yeah all the. I, dolls of all the people that were in the movie yeah yeah and it's amazing to me the kind i did not know they had anything a about pregnant barbie that yeah. removed her belly and there's a baby inside there were a lot of different kind of barbies. yeah barbie has been through some experimental phases yeah um so barbie is in barbie land with all the barbies and kids there was even a president barbie i mean as <laughs> in <laughs> oh. i'm um, kidding so um uh she wakes up in barbie land uh uh Margot Robbie, and she is um, her because they're all different types of Barbie. She is stereotypical Barbie. She is the first Barbie, the original Barbie. And she wakes up and she's like, "Hi, Barbie!" And she's all in Barbie land. The beginning of it, if you've ever seen the Lego Movie, reminds me of the beginning of the Lego Movie. It's like everything is in their happy toy land. Everything is perfect. They're having a good time at the beach, and then at Barbie at, at, at night, Barbie has her. Uh, her dream house party and everybody comes <laughs> and they're dancing and it's a good time. And I feel like they always ended a pillow fight. Yeah, they didn't in no. this movie, but they should have. Uh, but it is, it's very much that kind of dream fantastical. Um, everybody's having a good time and they're like, you know, at the end of the night, it's girl slumber party. So Ken's have to leave. And <laughs> Barbie wakes up and has an existential crisis. Uh, and she starts thinking of death. And she asks her Barbie friend, she's like, what do you think it would be like to die? And they're like, what? Um, So um, she's not sure what's going on. And she is told by Weird Barbie, played by Kate McKinnon, um, that she must go to the real world to find out um, her past owner uh, is going through. Yeah, somebody in the real world. This is how Weird Barbie came about, too. Is that somebody in the real world is playing hard with Barbie. Yeah. Like doing that—that that sounds like a hard on that, that was a really weird statement <laughs> I just made. I apologize for that. But they're like, there's something wrong with it. So like, either they're outgrowing it, or like you know, when girls would outgrow their Barbies, they start cutting their hair and breaking their legs to yeah. like splits. 
which is what happened to Weird Barbie, which is why they call her Weird Barbie. So to stop stereotypical Barbie from becoming Weird Barbie, she has to go find the person that's doing this to her and fix it. Yes. And Ken, number one, if you look at the, the cast listing, all the Barbies are different types of Barbies. So you have like writer Barbie, you have Dr. Barbie, you have President Barbie. All the Kens are numbered. So it's Ken 1, Ken 2, Ken 3, Ken 4, Ken 5, and Alan. <laughs> uh, so Ken 1, who is played by Ryan Gosling, um, sneaks into Barbie's Malibu Corvette and um, stows away as she's going to real world and he goes with her. He ends up uh, popping up out of the backseat. And I just want to say before we get started, I'm not the biggest Ryan Gosling fan. Everything I've seen him in, it all is very, It's all. it all comes across as the same character to me. In this movie, this man surprised the hell out of me because um, he plays Ken number one so well. He's just... He just had no inhibitions in in acting in this ca- in this character, and he's just so hilarious. Um, so he goes along with her, and he's all crazy Ken. And they get to the real world, and while Barbie is trying to figure out, you know, who her owner was that was playing too hard with her, Ken discovers the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in Barbie Land, it, everything's run by Barbies. Barbie. Barbies run everything. Yeah. And the Kens are just trying just there to get the attention of Barbie. Yeah. So he finds out that in the real in the, world, in the real world run by men. there's this patriarchy and, and men are, are running things. And I And Barbie finds out so so all the Barbies think that they have liberated women. Yes. And that women can now be anything and everything that they want to be, and that Barbie has helped make that happen. Yeah, so where... she's thinking she's gonna go and be prayed like greeted as a liberator right as dick cheney would say she thought she was gonna be greeted as a liberator right and she gets there and she finds out that everyone that, that a, people there is hate a barbie yeah because of the pressure to be this perfect person that barbie represents yeah and so she's not met with love like mm-hmm. she thought she would be and so then then the insanity ensues yes um, so Barbie, well, first off, they get arrested, her and Ken get arrested twice. Um, first, because Barbie punches a guy for slapping her ass. Secondly, um, for stealing Western-style clothes, um, which they let her keep, which I thought was very nice. <laughs> um, so um, they show up in, like, neon tie-dyed colored uh, leotards and rollerblades, and they just look so 1980s. Yeah. So they realize after she gets, they, and they go to the beach yeah. because that's what that's what Ken that's does Ken's for them. Job. Yeah, he's, he's, he he beaches. He beaches. Um, he's not a lifeguard. He doesn't go in the water and save anybody, but he hangs on the beach. So and if you have beef beach. with him, he'll beat you off. Mm. <laughs> and that is what happened to Barbie going hard. Um, Remember that whole scene? Yes. The, the kids are getting in a fight, and he's like, I'll beat you yeah, off. I'll yeah. beat you off right now. And then he goes, I'll beat both of you off at the same time. <laughs> what is, what is this anyway, the movie is crazy um, in all the right ways. And so while Barbie is trying to figure herself out, Ken um, learns about men in the real world. And uh, for Ken, that has a lot to do with forces. Um, Ken has a, a this infatuation with this this link between being masculine and, and having horse. 
Um, so he's trying to figure out the patriarchy. He goes and he tries to get a job. Um, he has no skills other than beach. Um, so he's trying to figure out the whole patriarchy thing. And while um, he's doing that, Barbie go gets picked up um, after going to, to a school where she meets uh, the young girl who used to own her. <clears throat> yeah. She gets picked up by Mattel. Right, because Mattel is like, we need to get Barbie back, back in, in the, the box. box before she ruins yeah. the Apparently, whole... many years ago, they had an incident that involved Skipper, who is the babysitter in Barbie World. <laughs> And she got out, and they're like, that was bad enough. But this is actual Barbie who got out. Yeah. We got to get her back in the box. So uh, they pick her up and bring her to Mattel. And um, uh, Barbie is like, oh, you know, uh, this is just this is all crazy. Put me back in the box. So she goes to get in the box and has like a panic attack. And she's like, no. And she steps out of the box and then runs for it. Oh, she's got to use the bathroom. She's like, I got to use the bathroom. And she's, she runs for it. Uh, and the executive, which are led by CEO, played by Will Ferrell, um, which is hilarious because there's a lot in this movie that reminded me of the Lego movie. And for those who have seen the Lego movie, Will Ferrell plays uh, a, a very significant part in there. Um, and just like with the Lego movie, the whole theme is between relationships with fathers and sons. And there's this theme in this movie between mothers and daughters. There's a lot of layers that uh, overlap with the Lego movie. Um, so they're trying to get Barbie back in the box. And Barbie um, is just trying to um, uh, just kind of fix what's wrong with her. Um, so uh, there's a, a person who works at Barbie played by uh, America Ferreira from Ugly yes. Betty. And uh, it turns out that it is not the, the little girl at the high school who owned this Barbie is her daughter. And it isn't her who has made uh, Margot Robbie's Barbie this existential crisis, thinking of death Barbie. It's actually her. Um, missing the relationship she had with her daughter. So um, they kidnap, or they get Barbie, and they are being chased by uh, the executives of Mattel. And they're like, we need to get back you back to Barbie land. And they get back to Barbie land. And in the meantime of being gone, the Kens have taken it. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Ken yeah. introduces the patriarchy to Barbie land. Yes. And all of a sudden, you know, the, it's the, the Barbies are getting the Ken's drinks. Yeah. They've become, they've essentially become the world that is, it is now yeah. the Ken's run everything and the Barbies are all, you know, they're subservient, you know, um, we love you, Ken, and we'll get you drinks. Oh, you know what we didn't talk feet. about at the very beginning of the movie? is that they're talking about how girls, all the dolls that girls had were of babies. Oh, the, so it's kind of important to this theme, right? Yeah, is the that, opening is if you've ever seen 2001 A Space Odyssey with the, the, the monkeys playing with the bones. It's little girls playing with baby dolls. It reminded me of that sad base children thing on Instagram. Because <laughs> they're all like these sad kids playing playing with dolls, learning yeah. how to be mothers. And I mean, I'm not a girl, uh, so maybe that's why I didn't realize this. But be apparently before Barbie, all toys d directed towards females were um, about being mothers and being housewives. So it was like baby dolls yeah. and irons and ironing right. boards and vacuum cleaners. So then Barbie comes along and they're like, oh, we have power. And yeah. so then like all the kids start killing their babies. destroying the baby dolls, <laughs> which apparently are made of plaster because they're right? smashing them. 
And then uh, one of the girls chucks her baby doll in the air, just like in the opening of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And then we are taken to Barbie World. Yeah, so that that's so so then so Barbie Barbie Land is where is where all the, the women have all the power, and now it's gone back to this idea where the women are just ironing and getting drinks and doing that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so um, Barbie and America Ferrera and America Ferrera Child um, go to Weird Barbie's house, um, uh, Kate McKinnon. And they're like, what has happened? And Kate McKinnon does her Kate McKinnon thing where she's kooky and crazy and delightful. And um, she's like, you know, we they've been brainwashed and we've got to unbrainwash them. So American Ferreira gives this impassioned speech, which is very good. But I'm sitting there watching it. And I was like, oh, I get I see what you're saying. And to my left... First, let's talk about really quick. I want to talk about the audience. Talk. I want to. I want to know what kind of audience you were in. Um, I wore a yellow T-shirt, not because I <laughs> just watched. I watched of an age until after. Barbie. What did you do right before <laughs> you went to the movies? But um, I wore my yellow Anna Escobani T-shirt to the Barbie movie. Everyone, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I was the only one in my theater who was not wearing pink. Yeah. And it was like large groups um, of, and I wrote this down uh, because this is all that was in the theater, girls, gays, and theys. It was the girls, the gays, and the theys, all in pink, all in massive groups, all super excited to see Barbie. So as America Ferrera is giving this speech, I have two, I'm assuming gays next to me because they were young guys, two young guys. Oh, first of all, I sat in one of their seats because they did not get there in the beginning of the movie. And I wanted some breathing room. So there was two or three empty seats, two girls here, and then like this big party. So I sat in the middle seat. And this guy sits down and he's like, or comes over and he goes, you're in my seat. We have four and five. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. So I move over to seat three. Now I'm next to these two girls. And then he sits down. And then his little twink friend comes in. And then he moves over and his twink friend sits here. And his twink friend keeps putting his arm on my arm. So I'm sitting there. First of all, I got there late because I thought it started at 4.50, but it started at 4.40, so I didn't get snacks. So I'm sitting there all pouting because I didn't have my snacks. And then he had gummies and popcorn, and he was having a good time, and it's pink top. <laughs> and he made his popcorn, and then he put his hand, I had my arm, arm in the end, uh, on the armrest, and he would put his arm on my arm and then leave it there. Like, I get that we're all bonding over Barbie, but I don't know you. That was that was the, the knee moment from when you were younger. That was an invitation. Damn it. Oh, he must have seen the yellow shirt and said, ah, oh, he saw the movie. So anyway, we're at the America Ferrera scene where she, she's given... Um, Did uh, you want to know about my audience? Or... The what? <laughs> Did you want to know about the audience when I saw it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just, this ties into the Oh, audience, okay, go okay. ahead. So as I'm sitting there, she's giving the speech. The two girls next to me and the two gays next to me start sniffling. They're crying. And I was like, do not do this right now. I'm trying to enjoy the movie and I don't need you to cry up because of her motivational and passion speech. But they teared up and they choked. And then a few of them applauded after her speech. I was like, no! Just watch the movie! I saw it in a different city. It was a different... There was a lot of people. I, I don't think that there were a lot of gays in these. At oh the, really? At when I saw just it. girls? Um, there were. Well, no. I mean, 
there was, I don't know how to describe this because I don't want to sound insensitive, but it's just, there were a lot of people wearing pink at the earlier shows, but we went to a later one. Mm. So, um, like when we were parking, there was a family coming out and everyone was wearing pink and like what would, what at first glance would look like the son was wearing a big pink tutu. And the family was just having a good time. So I don't, maybe, maybe they were a they, I don't know. Um, but it just, they, um, but they all looked like they were just having a good time and enjoying it and all that stuff. Way too much pink. I'm just yeah. not that kind of a person. It's reminded me when to see Beetlejuice and everybody was wearing black and white stripes. Yeah. It's not an audition. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to cast you in anything. The film's solid, already been filmed. They're showing solidarity. I get it. Um, but I will say this about uh, every time America Ferrera went on a tangent. Uh, it was I. It was just so like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I loved it. It. I mean, I didn't cry at it. It wasn't like some over. It was just like I love stories about strong women. Yeah. And and this was a story. Her story within this was just I'm gonna unload to you how complicated it is to be a woman in today's world. Yeah. And and it was all accurate and true, and I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And I mean, did she really need to beat it over our head with it? I mean, you could have smiled like you said. I th- yeah, but see, that's why... I, my God. I can't. If you would like to comment on what Jeremy has to say about this, just kind of say what you want, America, but say it with a smile. Com. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and I, th- I just... I loved it. And then it was like... So then... So that rant... Uh, not rant, but impassioned speech. Oh my god! If you'd like to comment on this, <laughs> I know, like, yeah, right. We're just like two two approaching middle aged white yeah. men talking about women. It was good. I just could have was... done without the sniffling on yeah, the yeah, other yeah. side of me. But I don't like story. crying in general. That's nothing right. new with America Ferrera. So, but it... I loved Ugly Betty. I just want to put that out. There. <laughs> so it made it made the Barbie that she was talking to snap, snap out. out of it. Yeah. So then they devised this plan where they're going to distract the Kens and take the Barbies one by one. America Ferrera uh, will give them this yeah. speech. <laughs> Barbies and Alan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. We'll give the speech and, and click them all out of it. And then they'll pit the Kens against each other yeah. by making them jealous of the other Barbies. It is it. What is so surprising to me? Is that I like this movie as much as I did because yeah. I was not a fan of going to have to go see. I it. was not looking forward to it. And though. it is it is the most like they take this idea of Barbie and they give you a lesson in in, in current social commentary and mm-hmm. it was so it was so well done yeah. in that respect. You know what I realized after because I was when I was researching this I knew Greta Gerwig directed this. Um, but not only is it directed by Greta Gerwig, but she and her husband, Noah Baumbach, both wrote the script. And if you know anything about what they've written, just a few years ago, they both were uh, had movies that were nominated for a bunch of Oscars. She wrote and directed Lady Bird, and he wrote and directed um, A Wedding Story, or A Marriage Story. And But, I mean, it makes perfect sense that this was all social commentary about, um, you know, recognizing... Uh, the, the 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 role that women have in the world. So you said Lady Bird, and it started reminding me of that other movie we watched of an age oh. when the girl almost Lady Birded out of the car. Oh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Um, 
So yeah, when you want, when you look up who is behind this movie, um, not only those two, but with uh, Margot Robbie and America Ferreira, who's been involved in the Me Too movement, and um, uh, what was the one after that that they had the pin for? Still, there was Me Too, and still going. I don't remember. There's there's another movement. <laughs> is that Me Still? Me Still something. <laughs> But she was very involved in that, and she's been involved in a lot of work of equal pay for for women yeah. in uh, in entertainment. So just when you look at the people involved, um, it's very, and, and again, this is one of those things that reminds me of the Lego Movie, um, which will surprise people now. But when the Lego Movie came out, I was not a Lego guy. I didn't become a Lego guy until your husband bought me a Lego set, and he <laughs> started this. Um, but there's, it's like you go in and it's just this stupid, fun Lego movie and there's just these layers of social commentary under it that by the end, you're just like, your life, you, you know, you're, you're in this existential crisis, just like Barbie. And it's just amazing that you can go into a movie that is so fluffy and so commercialized um, and get such a powerful message from it. Yeah, 100%. And, and when... So this the thing that they're doing is like they're they're making the Kens think that the other Kens are better than them. Yeah. Which is they they admit it's not true. They're just making them feel that way because they know if they do that, then they'll fight with each other and then the girls can put Barbie Land back together the way that it's always been yeah. or better than it was before. And that is all I could think about that was like that drag is not a crime, but they're trying to make people, but in the real world, we're trying to make people think drag is a crime so that we'll all be fighting each other. And then that way, whoever's in charge can move on and do whatever it is they yeah. want to do without people watching them. And it's just so, it's so blatantly, obviously it, it's, or it, it reminded me of like when I saw wicked and I was like, Oh my God, the wizard is Donald Trump. When I watched, when I watched, um, Barbie. Barbie, I was like, wow, this is what's happening in the world today. And it was just so well done. Very yeah. well done. Um, I do want to point out, because while Barbie itself, the movie, uh, is very pink and very um, open and accepting of the gays, um, that uh, uh, the, one of the reasons we're talking about it, because there's a lot of LGBT um, actors in it. So I just wanted to give a shout out to those who appeared. Um, Kate McKinnon, we talked about, who played Weird Barbie. She is a delight. I love her. Everything, and it's funny because uh, in reading uh, some of the, I would, you know, the stories posted uh, about this movie and reading about the actors in it, I read a couple of people who are like, Kate McKinnon is so overrated, and I had a such an angry reaction. I was like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> Kate McKinnon is amazing, um, but I, I think she's hilarious. She's just that. She's weird, Barbie. She's very out there and awkward and weird and I love her. Um, Alexander Ship, uh, or Alexandria Ship, Alexandra Ship, um, who was uh, one of Simon's friends in Love, Simon. Um, if you're listening right, she was also Storm in the newer X-Men movies. She was writer Barbie. She had the big curly oh, hair. Oh, okay. Um, she's uh, LGBT. Oh, Ryan will love that. She was writer Barbie. I'm a writer. She's a writer. <laughs> she was an X-Men. Um, I love X-Men. Hari Neff, who is in Transparent, uh, is a transgender actress. Um, she was Dr. Barbie. Oh. Um, Ken number three was played by Scott Evans, who is the gay brother. and act He's an actor, but also the gay brother of Chris Evans. 
Oh, um, yeah. So Captain America's gay brother is in there. And then um, uh, Cody uh, Katwa, who is the new um, Doctor Who, who's the, that premieres this fall, was Ken number four. So um, not only was it a very inclusive of different uh, races and creeds and types of women and men for the parties of Ken, but they also threw in quite a few LGBTQ characters. And if you read Out Magazine, this month's Out Magazine features several of the, I'm holding it in my hand, so only Rick can see it, uh, <laughs> has several of the LGBT Barbie actors on the cover, so make sure you pick them up. Very nice. send a check to Orlando, <laughs> Florida, Out Magazine. No. Uh, it's a good magazine. I love Out Magazine. Yeah, so one other thing that I kind of thought was cool, I didn't know anything about Barbie, honestly, yeah. uh, but what I love so much about it is that all of the, the places they lived uh, in Barbie land and was, was like just true to the toys. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's okay to call them toys. Right. I don't know. They're toys. But like when, when they, who was it that got hurt in the beginning? Was it Alan? I don't know. But anyway, an ambulance had to come. Oh, no. Oh, it was, it was Ken Juan. Yeah. Ken one yeah. got hurt in the beginning because so, he tried to go sir. Yeah, so an ambulance came to to pick him up, and the ambulance opened up like like the toy opened up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just really kind of cool. Same thing with like when their Barbie wakes up in the morning and she's got the breakfast and she's got the little plastic toast that pops open and she goes pour a drink, nothing comes yeah. out. Um, and the water the giant brush. The I, again, my sister had Barbies and I used to play all the time with her. Favorite Barbie was Safari Barbie. Um, and it comes in that pink plastic, that round plastic brush. They all have the little plastic brush comb in their hair. Yeah. Um, I love that. Again, I keep comparing to this to Lego movie. Uh, but Lego movie did the same thing where there's a lot of Easter eggs if you're into Lego. Same thing with Barbie. If you're into Barbie, uh, there's a ton of Easter eggs, particularly in the beginning, uh, that are just fun little nods to if you played with the toys. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'll just say one more time. That I, you know, I, I say this a lot about mothers. Like, I don't know how mothers do anything. I don't know how they have the strength. Well, when a mommy loves a daddy. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but it, it, it's like, especially like work, like if, like all moms, right? Being a, a stay-at-home mom is a lot of work and there's things you do all day that are insane. But like, I, I watch like my mom, right? She go to work, uh, she works all day and she comes home. And she's got five kids that she has to get fed. She's got kids that she has to get to baseball practice and all this different stuff. And she used to take me to, like, dance class. <laughs> I used to play baseball, too. But I just think it's funny. She's like, yeah, let's take the gay one to dance. It was my idea. Um, but it's just all these things that they have to do, these extracurricular activities, like, they work all day. Then they 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 feed you, they, or they do these extra things, and they feed you, then they clean up after you and make sure that you have everything you need yeah. for the next day. Ungrateful children. But so what I, that's what I love so much about all of the speeches that America gave in, in the show was just like this. Yes, all of it's so true. You have, like, I don't know how you get all, of, how you do all of this with all of this pressure on you. So I just thought it was really nice to see a movie that just, in a in a very realistic not um not this like like utopian way i'm trying to th think of the way to word it but it's just it's just so real and sad and yeah and 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 glorious all at the same time it's just like this is just what life is like this is just everything i have to do and it's tough 
and and it sucks. Yeah. And One of my problem with movies like this is um, not like that. Well, movies in general is uh, because I am not a parent. Um, the, That's a parent. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the teens that they have in these kind of movies are so obnoxious. And when this movie started, and and Barbie comes in and she's like, "I'm your Barbie," and she's like, "Read her," and she's like, "You're a terrible," and blah 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 blah. And I'm just like. Yeah, we get it. Y'all are such woke kids. And it drives me nuts. And I was like, this is going to be one of those movies where I hate all the kids in it because um, they're smarter than the adults and they're so, uh, you know, just so cool and hip. And it's like, look how awesome we are. We don't play with Barbie. And I was like, I'm going to be annoyed with you the whole movie. And as the movie went on, I liked her more and more because she started to re- she started to realize what she was doing to her mom, like yeah. ignoring her mother. And... Uh, started to identify with her and and be more uh, more of a daughter to her. Yeah. For all the daughters and sons listening, um, don't pish pish your parents. Listen to them. Honor thy mother and father. Honor thy mother and father. <laughs> um, but as the movie went on, I liked her more and more because she wasn't that stereotypical. Um, I know more than my mom, and that happens a lot within those kind of teeny bopper movies where. Uh, the adults always seem like idiots, and the par- the kids know more than the parents. I like that she realized that her mom knew some stuff, and that her mom was actually a yeah. decent, cool human being. Um, yeah, I don't like two-dimensional teen characters yeah. in movies, so I like that she grew a little bit, too. I also kind of like the idea, it's like, you know, I, I may be like this, I may be a brat to my mom, but we're family. Don't you don't you talk to my mom that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm going to fix that. So that was kind of cool. But so yeah, that was really a, good. A it, great movie. Um, had, uh, like I said, ooh, the largest ooh, box office opening. Um, $155 million. And that, so uh, the, the, the highest grossing uh, opening for a, for for a, a movie director, for a female director um, in history. Uh, did uh, unseated um, Pat, Patty Jenkins for the first Wonder, Wonder Woman movie. Uh, but yeah, did, um, and that Oppenheimer also opened this weekend. Um, overshot expectations. Yeah, I did really, eighty something million. Eighty five million dollars. So really good weekend for Hollywood. Yeah, I mean at Barbie, I guess it's just the way that they played it. I mean, I had a hard time getting Oppenheimer tickets too. Yeah. Uh, but Barbie was playing in like thirty times more movie oh, theaters yeah. than Oppenheimer the, was. The the media or the the press leading up to Barbie coming out. I mean, you I can't go anywhere and not hear Barbie. Um, if you Google Barbie, just Google Barbie. Your entire Google page turns pink. Little flowers and sparks fly <laughs> out, and your entire page turns pink. They I really... want every page I go to. <laughs> they marketed the hell yeah. out of this movie. Yeah, and and what's what's amazing about it? It's actually a good movie. It's got it's got it's a good point. It's got it's a good movie. I don't think it deserves Oscar buzz. But I think that it's I don't good. know if it deserves all... I mean, it's currently... And we're a little more over than halfway... Excuse me. Through the year. Gold Derby is kind of this website that um, tracks how movies are tracking as far as um, award contention. Um, Barbie, the movie, is w- within the top fil- 10 films right now. So that's what the Oscars do. They, you know, they take the top 10 films... Margot Robbie, I think, is within the top 10 actresses right now of possibly winning or getting nominated for Best Actress. The thing that surprised me is Ryan Gosling sits at number two for Best Supporting Actor, only behind Robert De Niro, um, who is in the new Martin Scorsese film that comes out this fall. Um, Is that his real body? 
Yes. Do, do they make try to make it look somewhat plastic? <sighs> Just, you know what? It's a little much. I don't know. But if you've ever seen stu Crazy Stupid Love, his body looks like that. It's huh. amazing. The, uh, that body. It's a little much. It doesn't it's, match his face. It's fine. It is but it's good. Fine. So one thing we didn't watch is we didn't watch episode three of Last Call. Yes. And that's because we're going to talk about it next time because it wraps week. up. It's a four-episode uh, docu-series, so... So if you want to hear what we think about it, four. watch it, catch up, because we're going to spoil alert the whole thing. Yes, and um, what else? What else? Something else coming out next week? Oh, there's this new um, uh, LGBT-focused anime on Netflix. Maybe we'll watch that. Is this to get me back for the ultimate? How dare you watch, make me watch reality <laughs> shows? Now you're going to watch the dirtiest thing I can find. Now, um... We'll find something. We'll find something. But it looks good. I'll watch it regardless, and I'll talk about it. But if you want to watch it, it's, uh, it looks good to me. But it's an anime on Netflix. Um, do you want to do um, uh, Tomatoes? Oh, right, Barbie? Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, everyone loves this movie. I'm going to say Critics 95, Audiences 99. 91 and 90. Ooh. All right. Well, yeah. I like Barbie a little more than the critics and the audiences, but they still liked it. And yeah, it was good. I think Jen would have given it a 99. Yeah, I loved it. I'll see you at the Oscars next year, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling. Uh, God. I'll tell you what. <laughs> if she gets the EGOT and it's for this... <laughs> it doesn't count. It does not count. Well, while we debate whether Margot Robbie's EGOT counts, we will see you next week. And until then, the cork is back in the bottle.